is considered one of the greatest role players in NBA history. The other guy can make a great sandwich on a roll. You're in the dog pound with JYD in the mix. That is right. I am the other guy on the mic. I can make a good sandwich on a roll, but I am here with the dog. Junkyard dog Jerome Williams, known for his tenacious style of play. Nine years in the NBA and tenacity on the mic. What's up, JYD? Mick, I'm, hey, listen, I'm, I'm coming down off of the, the Thanksgiving high. I got like two things left in the leftover canteen. Well, you know what they should do? They should put that stuffing in a waffle batter, make a waffle out of it, throw a fried egg on it, because they're in the dog pound. They're having breakfast with us today with Thanksgiving leftovers. That's it. Let's get to it. It's a big rivalry Saturday in college football. Our guy, four-time Major League Baseball All-Star Paul LaDuca will join us yes. in just a bit. But first, we have a lot to be thankful for, right, JYD? We do. We do. Every day is a thankful day. It's a blessed day. And I'm glad to be here on the show because my belly is full. I can't be no more full of the day. And, you know, it's always good to give back during Thanksgiving. And we were at the Las Vegas Rescue Mission, me and the legends. So, you know, I'm happy to be here. And we got one of those legends coming up in just a few minutes. One thing uh, that is empty, um, speaking of bellies, is uh, my, my wallet. Because I went 0 for 2. We're not mm. thankful. We're not thankful for mixed picks last week. Got but to we're going to come careful. back. Yes. We're going to come back this week. Uh, luckily, we had Micah. He helped us out. He went 2-0 and with the Chiefs and over. Um, but I want an asterisk, though, because the guy, the heart and soul that we talked about for the Titans, Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator, um, he collapsed and had to be taken to the hospital before the game. So the, the Titans uh, were going in at a disadvantage. I have a question for you as a pro. How does that affect you? I know they say you're a pro. you got to go out there and do your job. But we're also human. This guy, you're with this guy every day of the season. Um, has that ever happened to you, uh, where it's a coach or a teammate? Oh, man, yes, it does. It does affect you as a player because when I was with the Toronto Raptors, our associate head coach, Stan, um, Lenny Wilkins, top guy for, for years, went down in the locker room pregame, right, right when we were in the locker room talking about the, 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 the team we were playing against and what was going on. He went down with a stroke oh, in the middle of the locker room. And that's before the game. So Right before we – we, right, right, right. The mindset was – um, you know, first of all, we didn't know he was having a stroke. He couldn't speak. He, we knew something was wrong. We didn't know what. So as players, um, w when we left the locker room, we found out sort of mid-game, okay, this is what happened. He had a stroke. He'll be all right. He's at the hospital. Um, good thing it happened here. So we had, like, you know, a, a good vibe. Um, but yeah, when, when, when personnel go down, especially close to the team, coaches, um, uh, administrators, those sort of things, it does affect the team. It does affect morale. We just want to make sure those people are all right. Yeah. And that, that was a, a tough game and that must've been a tough experience. I can't imagine having to go out and play a game, um, uh, an intense game, whether it's the NBA or the NFL. Uh, another thing I want to talk to you about is our, our youth today. Um, so we had Ed Oliver, nose tackle for the Houston Cougars. Right. Um, he's been hurt on the sideline. War he warmed up a little bit before the game, couldn't do it. Uh, so he's standing on the sideline being a cheerleader. Puts a jacket on that's reserved only for players. The coaches took issue with that since he wasn't playing. Now, I, I would think um, there are certain things you can let fly. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is one of them. But they went at him. They took the jacket off him. And then he went after the coach. 
I, I, I don't understand. This guy could be a top five pick in the NFL. He could be the next Warren Sapp. He's a disruptor on mm. that defensive line. Right. Um, but when are rules rules, and, and when do we just say, all right, let it go? Are we babying our youth? What What is this? Do we have to treat them differently? I think that's something internal. I think there's some smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And you can see that there's some relation because he's obviously a player. He's a player, right? He warmed up. He tried to go, couldn't go. They're saying to themselves, hey, we don't like this. You know, there could be some bent-up frustration whenever you have an injured player who's trying to get back healthy and, you know, can't go for whatever reason. Um, and then, you know, he, he's on the sideline. He's cheering on his teammates. He's doing the right thing. But they're saying, hey, maybe you should be out there playing. I think that today's, you know, um, youth and, and, and that sort of thing, it does come down to that line where players have to respect the game, coaches have to respect the game, and the players. And there has to be the relationship. Relationships are everything. I don't think, you know, you should be on the sidelines arguing over a jacket at this point, especially if he is a player and he's an injured player. You want to keep that player as close, as close to the organization, as close to the, the field as possible and a, a thing as such as a jacket, I mean, come on now. Like, that, that sounds kind of petty to me. It, can't, it smells, it sniffs pettiness. It's got the capital P. It, yep, and, and I, I don't know. Could you imagine anyone doing that to uh, your coach, Coach Thompson, at any point? What would happen if someone did that during a game? Would they be back on the, on the court? A absolutely not. You wouldn't live to see the next day. Um, it'd be, you know, you'd have that cut mark right around your neck because that's what you would be cut, cut from the team, cut from the organization, cut from the whole city. But this is a new day. And again, um, the relationship, I always talk about relationships. It starts with you wouldn't be attacking anybody over a jacket on the Hoya sideline because if you're there cheering on your teammates, those are the ones we want in the foxhole with us. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we have a uh, few past big week for uh, women in sports. Um, yes. We, we have, going down over here. And we have somebody to talk life. about that a little later, too. My Serena Morales from the Los Angeles Rams. She's going to talk to us a, a little bit about that in the uh, NFL. But Sue Bird to the Nuggets staff, front office uh, basketball operations. Congrats, Sue! She is playing next year and has that role. Joins Becky Hammond on the same path. Um, Jenny Busek, Birds, her firm, former coach with Seattle, Christy Tolliver, her counterpart in the finals for the Mystics. Um, she, she's in development for the Wizards. This is a great movement. These teams are smart. They want smart basketball minds in the office, on the bench. Did you ever play um, for anybody like that, a woman on the bench, in the office? And uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on women on the bench in the NBA? Well, the, my biggest shout-out comes to Nancy Lieberman. That's right. Coach Nancy Lieberman, we teamed up together, coaching Team Power, Big Three, this year, won the championship. And you want to talk about a female that's on top of her game. I mean, analytics, she had every play from every team the whole season long, broken down how we were going to attack it, what we were going to do. The game plans were phenomenal. And, you know, we go out there and just wipe up the floor in the championship game. And this is all coming from a female coach. Yes, Sue Bird. Yes, all these other ladies uh, get getting in um, on this NBA and basketball and other sports. 
They're great minds. They, as long as they have the ability to connect with players, and that's key because you could have a great mind, but you can't connect with players. Nancy, Coach Nancy Lieberman, she's like one of the guys. I mean, she comes in there. She's cracking jokes. She's, she's, she knows the lingo of the locker room, right? She's comfortable in her own skin, but she also commands the respect of the players. I remember going into a huddle halftime, um, you know, Players start talking, Katino Mobley, you know, myself and other guys. They we start talking. He's like, she's like, shut up. Hey, listen, this is what we're gonna do. This, 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 this. It was like everybody should stop. I'm like, whoa, okay, all right. And we went out there and did it, won the game. And, you know, those are the kinds of things you look for. So shout out to female coaches all over. I definitely think there's a place for them in this game. And they just gotta keep getting better and keep pounding this door down. And Val, Val Ackerman. Commissioner of the Big East, another great basketball mind, and look what she's done yes. in these last couple of years for the Big East. Um, maybe we get Coach Nancy on the dog pound in a couple of weeks. Maybe we can get her. Oh, absolutely. She's anytime. I right. call her today. Well, speaking <laughs> of getting people on the line, let's move on. We have our first caller this week on the Finley Toyota Hotline to talk some hoops with us, former McDonald's All-American uh, with Shaq, I might add, a member of the Crimson Tide and drafted in 1993 to the Trailblazers. You can find him on Twitter at hwood2631. Hollywood, James Robinson, welcome to the Dog Pound. Woods in the house. What's up, Hollywood? Man, not a thing, not a thing. Sitting here, you guys. Hey, man, listen. We had a great time down at the Las Vegas Rescue Mission. Thanks for coming down there, representing the legends, and uh, giving back to the community at the Las Vegas Rescue Mission. Man, you did a great job down there on Wednesday. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it coming and giving my time, man. It's always an honor to be there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's talk some hoops, man. Who do you like out here in the West? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Portland Trailblazers, your first, your your team that drafted you is at the number one spot. Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard's on fire. Um, you know, do do you think they got the juice to get past the Warriors? Man, you know, you know, I play with the Clippers. JYD, you know when the season first started, and then you know when the season first started, nobody didn't know how bad they were. Everybody thought they was good. You come out the gate strong, baby. Everybody come out the gate strong. Right. It depends on how you finish. Yes. I think Portland would definitely be in the uh, playoffs, but I don't think they will be in that top four spot. Okay. They're gonna be in front of, you know, the Warriors at all. Not even close to the Warriors. You know, and then Houston, they, Houston got to get their their act together, man. They got, I know they just got rid of Carmelo, but they got to get their act together. And um, I'm 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 pushing the Lakers in that you know four or five spot, man. I'm telling you, they looking good too. Okay, okay. Well, you mentioned Houston, and uh, you know Houston dealing with the tough situation. Carmelo Anthony, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. obviously this guy is a bona fide scorer. He's a Olympic gold medalist. And not to mention, you know, he's got a lot of swagger when it comes to the game. What do you think about guys having that problem of transition from, you know, top-tier player? You saw with Allen Iverson, couldn't come off the bench. Um, mm -hmm. Do you see that mm -hmm. same thing with Carmelo? Do you think he should be coming off the bench? Do you think he should be getting uh, minutes? I remember Lenny Wilkins used to, you know, play those type of veterans the first six minutes of the quarter and then bring mm -hmm. in the young guns. Um, I don't I don't see why there's a problem with Carmelo. What do you think? I think it's up to Carmelo to make that transition because we know, you know, Carmelo over the last well, 14, 16 years, he has been phenomenal score for us, for the, for the league. Now he's not that tier scorer no more. You know, he's never been a defensive player. 
So in order for him to, you know, uh, as a player, you always want to win a championship. Everybody wants to win a championship, right. and he's chasing that championship. And the thing is going to be hard for him to get on one of those caliber teams that's winning a championship the way he plays his game, unless Carmelo changes everything and, and, and play defense. Yeah. Other than that, because nobody's going to let him come in off the bench and just hold a ball, you know, with their – uh, rhythm that the teams have, like Golden State, it wouldn't it wouldn't work at Golden State. Yeah, it, it wouldn't it didn't it didn't work at Houston because Houston has that up and down flow. Carmelo has to catch the ball. He needs at least ten to twelve shots to get in the rhythm. Those five or six shots, and it, it just makes Carmelo look looks bad. And he's not a bad per- player, none whatsoever. He yeah. just got to get with the right fit. Right. And speaking of of, of chemistry and, and and cohesiveness, Kimba Walker's lighting things up out there oh in Charlotte. My God. Come on. What you think oh about that? God. Is he is he going to carry them to a, to a top spot in the playoffs come the East? What do you think? I think I think Kimbo is having a breakout year, man. I mean, he always been on the radar, but he's really having a breakout year. When I mean by breakout year, I'm not just talking about scoring. He sees the whole floor. He sees the game. He sees the plays before it happens. Slowing he, down he for him. He gets the ball to the right people at the right time, man. And that makes it good, exciting basketball to watch, brother. Right. Do you think, uh, based on the playoffs right now, Orlando, Brooklyn, and Washington are all in that you know eighth eighth spot? Look, look, you know, from five hundred to two games back to to Washington, which are almost seven and a half games back. Which team makes the playoff? Orlando, Brooklyn, or Washington? Mm, Jay, like I said earlier, you know, play with them Clippers. We all shoot out of that that that, that uh, we shoot out fast. It's how right. you end up. And I and, and and to say that right now, I can tell you who would be in the ace spot. I have to like mid season to see who who playing good, who hurt, and stuff like that. But I like I like Brooklyn though. Brooklyn has a good chemistry. They, they do have, have a, good chemistry. Good chemistry together right now. Do they get rid of John Wall in Washington? What's the situation Ooh, down there, Wood? Get rid of the star, man. How can you? I mean, I know he he's a prima donna. He got a little you know stuff with him, but how can you, Jay? They owe him forty seven million on his last year, his deal. Forty seven. Wood, forty seven mm. million, bro. What you what, that, that that that's for one year? Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. No comment. Mm. <laughs> God bless these young generation and what type of dollars they pulling down. Woo. Yeah, I was born 20 years too early, bro. <laughs> oh, man. That 60-point game you put on in high school, brother, you could imagine what you be getting paid these days with that you jump shot. Kids, man. man. You ain't kidding, they ain't call you Hollywood for nothing. They deserve every penny they That's get, right. Man. That's right. We don't we don't complain. We only say blessings to your brother. That's, that's what it's right, all man. about, right, right here in the Dog man. Pound. We, we, we wouldn't have getting paid what we got paid if it wasn't for the guys before us. Right. I, I know, mean, they didn't get it. Exactly. Doctor J and Magic were looking at my my paycheck, saying, "My goodness, all that for the dog? <laughs> Woo!" <laughs> <laughs> you know what time it is. <laughs> I know we, 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 we talk about the West a little bit, but let's talk about the East. Who you think in the East? Well, you know, um, top tier. You know, the I got to go tier. with my, my former team, the Toronto the Raptors. Yes, sir. The, you know, the claw is out there. Kawhi Leonard, you, you know, earlier in the week, we saw that great uh, play at the end with Danny Green hitting the shot. 
I mean, at the buzzer, those kind of plays, you know, build chemistry, build trust, build momentum leading up to the playoffs because those are the big shot makers and takers that are going to have to come forward in the playoffs. And when you have plays like that throughout the season, those kind of things help your team. Uh, I believe Qui uh, Kyle Lowry had one earlier in the season as well. So, mm -hmm, you did, know, yeah, so, yeah. so these kind of – And they chemistry right now. Yes. There, at first, they was kind of shaky the first four or five games. But the chemistry now and green, he found his shot, and he's playing within the system. I didn't know Danny was that athletic, man. Right. I, I, I kid you not because they just had him in, in – uh, in, uh, and Serge, and the Spurs just a spot-up shooter. Right. Serge Ibaka's really had some big games for them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're doing it by committee, and they're not wearing down Kawhi. You know, they're, 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 they're playing him gingerly throughout the mm -hmm. early goings, making sure he gets a feel, sitting him out games, letting him rest uh, on back-to-back -back some nights. And then, you know, this is going to prove. He said, hey, we're not about the regular season. We're about the playoffs. And that's, what, that's mm -hmm. the mindset Kawhi Leonard has coming into this season. And when you see the fall off from the Boston Celtics, I don't think that they're, you know, as, as good as people thought they were going to be. Milwaukee Bucks, that's the team, I think, with, with the Greek freak. Can I just interrupt you one second? Go ahead. Boston? I think they need to jail, man, because it's, it's, they have too much talent. And, and, and when I watch them play, you can kind of see, like, they don't want to step on each other's toes. Right. You can see that. You, you can know see what I'm it. Because you see them just like, like, how you, Curry, how you pass that ball? Why you, I mean, certain things that they, you know, in the playoffs last year, you seen they take that. And I think they got to figure that out. You know, they don't have nothing to do with the coach. It's just the players got to, you know, this is going to be the man. This is going to be second. This is going to be third. They have to figure that out. Right. And you've and only seen a few, few times this year with Kyrie right being able to actually take over games when he scores 40-plus and does his thing. Exactly, exactly, because uh, Tatum, Tatum is gonna be like, whew, Tatum is gonna be the the man. Right. And I say in the next two or three years, he's gonna be the man for Boston, without a doubt. Yeah, Hollywood. I, I, I have a question for you. I'm gonna take it Go back ahead. a little bit. Uh, we have a mm -hmm. couple minutes left, but I want to know if the McDonald's All American game, since you played in it, has changed at all. Mm. I watch it not really because it's just raw talent and you go out there and you just really play they don't i mean you, you get a couple of plays drawn up and then after that you just really play because the guys out there nine times out of ten most of those guys know how to play already you know they have a feel for the game because they right. were the man on the team like we only probably called two plays that i remember when we was in the mcdonald's all american mm. just get the ball get out that's a go. lot of plays too for mcdonald's all american two two yeah. plays <laughs> That's it, too. You don't need too many because you had big men. Shaqman was taking the ball, bringing it up. Tracy Murray can score from anywhere. Mm. I mean, we had we just had a, a great, great group of guys. Right. And you guys so were lighting it up, question, as I always. I think it has changed in a bit. I think the guys have got more athletic from one through five. Okay. I really do believe that. Yeah. So you have the big man taking the ball now. He can set it up and run plays. I think that comes with the changing of the game with guys being able to shoot the long ball um, mm -hmm. and, and pushing the ball out further from the basket as mm -hmm. the bigs. And, you know, and I think that that's where the game is moved, and, you know, from the, from the Euro and, standpoint. Right. And I think a lot of, too, has, has gone from us, you know, players like us, Jay, 
because even though I see a big man like in the tenth grade, you know he's six two, six five, you still got to handle the ball like a point guard. You still got to do the same drills. And when we was coming up, the big men didn't do that. Right. That was the difference. You get what I'm saying? Ex- so they do the drills as exactly like the guards do. Absolutely. The guards do the same thing like the big men. Do. Yeah. And that kind of came from Europe because Europe was teaching their guys, and so we had to. You know, for me, I had to do the same thing. It's like, okay, I might as well teach my big man the same thing. What's the difference? You know it. Man, Hollywood, brother. Hey, it's always a pleasure having you on the dog pound. We really appreciate you taking the time. That's the man right there, James Hollywood Robinson. Thank you, guys, man. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Thanks, uh, Hollywood. We can find him on Twitter at hwood two six. Three, one. We hope to hear from him later in the season on the Finley Toyota Hotline. All right. Uh, the Dog Pound is brought to you by Finley Toyota, the proud sponsor of the Finley Toyota Hotline. Finley Toyota, the number one award-winning Toyota dealership in all of Nevada. Find whatever you're looking for from their diverse inventory. Finley Toyota, they'll do anything to sell you a car. Dog Pound is also brought to you by Spiegel Certified Public Accountants. We're going to give you some suggestions on wagering this weekend. Uh, last weekend, they weren't so good. This weekend, we'll try to do better. So make sure you take into account your tax preparation. In doing so, give Spiegel CPAs a call. They can handle all of your tax needs and strategies. Visit SpiegelCPAs.com or call 702-998-9333. And by the Thacker Randall Shelton Group and Realty Pros. Give the Thacker Randall Shelton Group a call, and they can find you a property, whether it's a new residence or an investment. The TRS Group and Realty Pros can handle all of your realty needs. Visit lvrealtygroup.com. Those are my guys right there. Tell them again. Speaking of the Thacker Randall Shelton Group, we got the guy who puts the R in TRS, J-Y-D. Give him a welcome, Steve Randall. Big Steve. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, coming at you with the high-rise of the week and your high-rising fantasy star of the week. JYD, what if I told you that you could live in the heart of the Las Vegas Strip, next door to Aria, Cosmopolitan, and a short walk to the Bellagio, uh-oh, all for $350,000. $350,000? Man, that's, that's right. like a side of pancakes with a topping of maple syrup and whipped cream. That sounds good, brother. There you go, man. Well, at uh, Unit 1209, Veer Towers in the city center at Las Vegas, Get you into the most walkable high-rise in Las Vegas, in my opinion, meaning that you can walk out of the building to some of the best that Las Vegas has to offer as right. far as shopping, dining, entertainment, you name it. Um, it's even got a sneaky strip view. Mm. So Veer, Sneaky, sneaky strip view. Yes, sir. Veer is one of my favorite towers in Las Vegas, and this studio, definitely my number one value pick uh, mm. on the South Strip there. Yeah, sounds like a good pick right there, right there in the heart of the action. And you can can you rent this out? What's, what's yes, deal? you can. Now uh, we talked about a, a hotel condo hotel last week. This is actually sure. a residence tower, so you got to do a long term rental. Gotcha. Not going to be any nightly, right? Or, six or, month know, type deal. Six to not six. You, you, six, you, you six, hit nine, it on numbers. Six month or longer. There you got go. it. Absolutely. Yep, that makes sense. So now uh, from an undersized condo unit to an undersized running back. This week, my high rising fantasy star of the week is. Uh, L.A. Chargers. I don't like to say L.A. That's San Diego Chargers still to me. But uh, running back Austin Eckler. Now, this guy may not be your running back one or even your running back two, but if you are in a flex league, I would definitely have this guy in my lineup at the flex position. If you're struggling at running back, maybe with bye weeks, possibly a running back two. Uh, but the Chargers, if, if you notice, are coming off of a, a tough loss last week. Uh, I think they're going to take the ground game to the Cardinals. And after Melvin Gordon gets his, I believe Eckler will fill in and produce this week. 
He's been a sleeper star this year. Uh, I like his chances of putting up about 12 to 15 points for your fantasy lineup. Um, Alex Collins, last week you gave us, he came out of the gate, uh, touchdown yards <laughs> on the first uh, first possession, and then they put him down. Who is this Gus uh, Gus the bus? Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually wanted to pick Gus Edwards as my uh, high-rest star. <laughs> now that he might be taking over for, uh, uh, for the Ravens, uh, we didn't see that one coming. But, um, you know, I still believe in that 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 Ravens run defense for the rest of the year. Whichever one of those guys it's going to be, we'll soon find out. All right. Um, thanks, Steve. Well, we appreciate that. Give them some uh, fantasy knowledge. Uh, everybody knows to start the, uh, you know, Ty Gurley's, Kareem Hunt's of the world, even though they're on fire this week. But uh, you're going to bring us the fringe guy that we need to know. That's, that's, that's right. where the games are won in fantasy, that's your right. flex player. Um, and you have a special offer uh, for people if they visit the Champions Basketball Network, if people pre-qualify for a house, you're going to give them two tickets to a Golden Knights game. Is that right? That's absolutely right. That's a hot ticket. There you go. So visit the Champions Basketball Network. Check out that offer, and you get to go to the Fortress if you're going to pre-qualify for your house. ChampionsBasketballNetwork.com. Thanks, uh, Steve. We appreciate it. Um, as always, we'll uh, get your fantasy pick next week. That's Steve Randall from the Thacker Randall Shelton Group and Realty Pros, lvrealtygroup.com. All right. First of all here, I stay away from, from rivalry games. We're going we're gonna to talk some mixed picks here. And I was 0-2 last week. I'm going to come back at you strong this week. All right, I'm going to give you a couple of them. I know Steve's not going to like this one because I'm going right for Michigan, Ohio State. Steve's a big Buckeye. Um, that line all the way up to four and a half. The smart play in this one. Everything in me says take Ohio State. The last time they were home dogs against Michigan was 14 years ago, and they won by 16. Um, mm. Ohio State, though, I'm not sure. I think they should have three losses. Again, the smart play, take Ohio State, the home dog. But I'm going with the defensive coordinator again. Uh, that's Don Brown. A great story on Don Brown. Uh, Bill Belichick, uh, Harbaugh reached out to Bill Belichick for a defensive coach when he took over Michigan. Belichick watched a Boston College game the night before, and he said, well, that, that defense looks pretty good. You should reach out to that guy. Don't know if it was a, a soft sell or if he actually believed that. But anyway, Harbaugh saw it, reached out to him, got him as defensive coordinator, and they are one of the top defenses in the country. Um, you know, Micah told us stay away from the steam move after it happens but i'm still okay with it at four and a half i don't know um if ohio state can get it done the smart play ohio state but the mix taken michigan and notre dame what about notre dame and they're, they're up to 11 um over usc my guys in los angeles the usc fans they told me take ucla last week i didn't listen uh notre dame they played at yankee stadium last week la this week ireland next year do they ever play at south bend um, USC's in downward spiral. Notre Dame going to run it up uh, in this rivalry game. I'm taking another public play with Notre Dame. Um, another fishy line to me, Texas A&M uh, laying three, hosting number seven LSU. Uh, A&M 6-1 against spread at home this season. Senior day in Manhattan got me last week. I'm going with the 12th man, Texas A&M, laying three at home. In the NFL, another divisional matchup. The Jets and the Patriots, I might have too much heart in this one, but the last five games in MetLife, the Jets were only outscored by a total of four points. Uh, New England laying nine and a half, and it's holding steady there. Um, 
you know, one thing I've learned, though, don't met against Belichick after a loss. Don't bet against him after a bye and a loss. Smart play. The Jets, the Mick play, the Patriots. I know too much about this Jets team. I think they're laying down. Uh, if you want to fade the public, um, take the Jets. But New England is my play. Carolina, minus three uh, against Seattle. Seattle's got to go across the country. I'm taking Carolina on this I'm one. I'm taking Carolina too, on it. Put All right. the dog on that one. All right, the dog is getting down. Getting down on that one. Throw him some skin in the game. All right, we'll put up some more picks on uh, the website for you. But uh, right now, we're going to go to someone who has uh, better picks than the Mick. I can tell you that. He's a pro. Those are a bunch of public square picks. we got to call her on the Finley Toyota hotline to talk some pro wagering and some baseball. He's a four-time MLB All-Star with the Dodgers and the Mets. He's so nice. He once gave up his seat on TVG to me. Mm. You can follow him on the Action Network and on TV with the NYRA, the New York Racing Association. All right, let's welcome Paul LaDuca to the Dog Pound. What's up, Paul? How's it going, guys? How you doing? Good, good. What's up, Paul? All right, so we were talking uh, NFL, NCAA rivalries. We were talking Jets, Pats. We were talking Michigan, Ohio State. Um, two two games where I believe the smart play is on the home dog, but I'm going the other way. Do you like anything in either one of those games? Uh, I mean, like, uh, obviously when you look at the Michigan-Ohio State game, Michigan hasn't won, like, I think uh, since I was, like, dancing with my uh, ex-girlfriend at the high school prom <laughs> at Ohio State, but... After giving up 30, I mean, 58 points or 57 points to Maryland and, and in the yardage to chunks that they've given up Ohio State. And to me, this is just not the Urban Meyer running team. They're a passing team. And I know that Michigan has sort of struggled a little bit the last couple of weeks. But I just I, – I, I can't I can't take it. Urban Meyer's pulling his hair out on the sidelines. It looks like he's going to have a heart attack. It looks like it's going to come to an end. and. I just think Michigan's a better team, and I hate laying I hate laying points on the road. It really is one of my pet peeves, but I just can't play Ohio State in this situation, especially just the yardage chunks they've given up throughout the year. Yep, I feel the same way. How about that uh, Jets-Pats uh, being in New York? Um, you know, that's a tough one for me. Last five games, the point diff is only yeah, four, and the Jets have won two of them, and this one's, uh, again, on the road, are you going to lay the points, or do the Jets keep it close, or have they given up on Todd Bowles? You know, that's a good question. You know, a lot of guys did love Todd Bowles when he was the Cardinals, the defense coordinator, and I just think he doesn't have the, the demeanor, almost too quiet demeanor, to be a head coach. He's probably just better off of being a, a defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a really good question. But whenever you get into divisional games – you know, this whole week is ton of divisional games with high spread. So, like, what do you do with these kind of games? And, like, does New England sort of just um, win games and just march on? Or you can take a, a look at it this way. New England's like, okay, everybody else is disrespecting us. All they're talking about is the New Orleans Saints and obviously the shootout between Kansas City. In L.A., where are we? And everybody started forgetting about him, and everybody's forgetting about Gronk, thinking his career's over. And just when you always think that, that's when New England just starts burying you. So it's a tough punch if you punch the Jets, but I'd probably stay away from the game, you know? Yep, that's, uh, I think that's the smart way is to stay away to know what goes on in that rivalry. So let's move on to baseball. And uh, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing my Mets shirt today because I knew you were coming on. I'm wearing my Keith Hernandez shirt. 
Um, I love it. Let's talk Jake DeGrom. I want to know what it's like. You were one of the best contact hitters in baseball. Um, he had the sixth, what, sixth lowest ERA in the modern era at, at 1.70. Um, could you could you hit him? Do you think you can hit Jake? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I could. I mean, I faced a lot of Hall of Famers. I would have had success against him. You never know. I mean, um, things that are weird around baseball is like I owned Randy Johnson, but I, I struggled against Kurt Schilling. Huh. Um, so, like, you have guys that you really can hit, and you have guys that you can't hit. So I've never really faced him. Wouldn't be able to tell you that. But I mean, he's got dominant stuff, and he had a dominant year. It was really a shame that the Mets couldn't piece together like a, a Steve Carlton type season for him, where they he won like 25 games. And they could have scored runs for him when they didn't win that many games. Um, but uh, I think he deserved it. For some of the people, the argument to say that wins matters is a joke. He was by far the most valuable player. Um, on a bad team. I, let, let, let's look at it this way. Were the Mets giant defensively? No. They didn't have a catcher that could throw a base runner out. And they still he still put up these numbers. Like that that's what the people don't factor in. Like they just factor in just the straight numbers. They don't factor in the defense behind them. I understand he pitches in a pitcher's ballpark, but Atlanta and Philadelphia are the two biggest jokes of a ballpark that he also has to pitch in uh, at a regular basis. So Everybody needs to keep their mouth shut, and he was by far um, um, the the uh, the Cy Young Award winner. And, and, and the voters got it right, 29 out of 30. The other guy that whoever he voted for, he must have something good before he walked in. And he must have it. something. That, yeah, that's crazy. There's a crazy stat flying around that if they give him an average of three runs in those starts, yeah. I think it's taking some liberties, but he, he would be in the area of 25 to 30 wins. So, yeah, the defense is a big part of it. Um, what happens it, it, as a player? What happens to your mindset if you get into a game? You see, guys dealing like that. Um, do you just try to work the count and get to the bullpen, or does it just have a negative effect? I got to watch him like twice or three times live this year, and it just seemed like the other team shut down. You know, so what what is your mindset going in there? Well, the mindset as like a as a, a guy that he's on your team, sometimes you end up knowing like okay Jacob's going out there he's going to get two runs or less and you have the mindset of like okay let's scrap one or two runs instead of just going out there and playing and then he's never got that burst of nine ten runs and he got never got an easy win and you put pressure on your own self and you're just thinking to yourself one or two runs is going to do it where he's you know he can't put his cape on every night and he basically did it um almost every night but your mindset is just to to try to get the lead early. Whenever I had like somebody like I remember when Pedro or, or Glad were on the mound in, in the in the good old days when you knew that you could um, you had your 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 starting pitcher was better than theirs. If if Reyes let off the game with a double, I was push button them because I know that that uh, Beltran or Wright, whoever was behind me, the game was going to be one nothing. So automatically the pressure's on the other team. So and when you have an ace. That puts more pressure on the other team. Now more confidence goes towards you. But that's just not the way they play the game anymore, man. They just sit around and wait for the three-run homer um, in a ballpark like City Field with nobody so they can hit a three-run homer. And one guy's missing, Cespedes. One guy's retiring. And they just got a bunch of mix and, mix and, mix, uh, mix and match guys, you know? Can they get to 90 wins this year? No. No. <laughs> Well, how about another team that uh, no you way. played for, the Dodgers? Can they go back to the World Series for three, uh, third straight year? I, I don't. You're talking about the Dodgers? Yep, yep. 
I don't know. You know, the, the Dodgers worry me a tiny bit. Um, they do get Seager back to Giant um, for them because I always thought he was their second best at bat compared to Turner. Um, the worries about the Mets is that the Braves and the Phillies have they gone by them, and they're younger than them, and they're the same division. Um, and the Nationals, the whatever happens with the Harper situation, you know what what's going to go on there? You know, so um, the minor league system with the Mets is just there's just nothing there. And you 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 look at Atlanta and you look at Okuna and you look at some of these guys. Um, the kid in, in Washington, his name skips my mind, was Soto. Soto. Um, like, like we don't got a guy half that in the minor league system for the Mets, you know. So it, it, that worries me a little bit. And the other thing that worries me is the other side of town, and it does take effect. The other side of town, the Yankees are loaded, and they're going to be loaded for years with all the, all the guys they have that are young. And it puts the Mets on the back page, which they've always have been. And let's be honest, the Wilpons, Wilpons have tried to keep up, but really haven't tried to keep up. That's right. And uh, the Yankees just traded for James Paxton, uh, gave up one of their yeah. uh, top prospects. Do you think that's a good trade for them? Well, listen, like I had uh, Luis Gonzalez one day tell me, your minor league system is to make your major league ball club, ball club better. And I'm, I'm sure the Yankees didn't want to give all that up, but they need a left-handed starter, um, and he can be dominant. Um, uh, the one Achilles heel that the, the Boston Red Sox had is they struggled against lefties till till Pierce came over and they started hitting them a little bit later. But he's the kind of guy, uh, kind of guy that can is a number one stuff. So. They're bolstering their rotation, and it's turning into, listen, they couldn't take the Red Sox win in the World Series, and they dominated. And they played New York, New York in the clubhouse. So um, after they won both of the, the, the divisional series, the LCS and the World Series, they played New York, New York. So, um, you know, maybe the Yankees taking it a little bit personal. And, and money's not an option with these two teams. And, like, are we now going to look at the Astros, the, the, the Red Sox, and the Yankees going to be 100-win teams? And... And we're going to, because I don't see any future with Detroit, Kansas City, these other teams. They're going to be losing hundreds and hundreds of games. Baltimore, I mean, it's becoming a joke now. I mean, like, they created this. The Major League Baseball created this thing with the luxury tax, and they also created their own, you know, um, making the baseball and hitting all these home runs. They caused their own collusion, and um, everybody wants this amount of money. Well, guess what? There's only like a certain amount of teams that can afford to pay these guys that amount, of, that amount of money, you know. Yep, that's right. Well, thank you, Paulie. We appreciate your time. Can we get you back in the dog pound when it's uh, horse horse racing time? At the turn oh, of the man, year? anytime. You're welcome. I, I really appreciate it. Many thanks, Paula Duca on the Finley Toyota Hotline. You can find him on Twitter at PaulaDuca16. All right. Um, we're going to take a short break, but we're going to leave you with a little trivia before we go. Since we were talking baseball with Paul, since 1909, only two pitchers have had an ERA of less than two, at least 250 strikeouts, and 50 or fewer walks. Jake DeGrom was one of them. He did it this year. Who was the other one? All right. We'll see you on the other side for the answer.
This is your boy Double B and you're rocking with the Dog Pound Show. Make sure to get your show notes at cbn.vegas forward slash dog pound show. And that's dog with two G's. That's where you can get other shows and discount on services like the real-time coaching app. This is where you can get personal coaching from players like Corey Maggetti, Bonzi Wells, and our own Jerome, the JYD Williams, and many other pros. Make sure to take advantage now and book your spot now because each coaching spot is limited. That's www.cbn.vegas forward slash D-O-D. Double G Pound Show. Let's go. All right. You heard my dog, Pound. Welcome back to the Dog Pound. Let's get right to it. One more caller to get to. But the answer to today's trivia question, in the last 100 years, only two pitchers had lower than 2.0 ERA, 250 strikes out, less than 50 walks. Jake did it this year. The answer is is Pedro Martinez. He's the second one that Pedro did. Pedro Martinez. Pedro. 2000. All right, on the Finley Toyota Hotline, we have another great guest. She's the LA Rams team reporter. This is big. She's a graduate of the school whose name we don't mention here <laughs> on the Dog Pound. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> She's from the boogie down right where I went to high school. But she can also hit a baseball better than you and I. Jim All right. Let's welcome Serena Morales. Serena, welcome to the Dog Pound. Hey, thanks for having me on. And yes, I can hit an 80 mile per hour baseball. Not bragging, it's just the truth. <laughs> I like that. Wait, throw some stink <laughs> on it, Serena. Wait, to throw some stink on it. All right. So, <laughs> this uh, Monday, this past Monday night, uh, great game. You were there with all the uh, shootings, the the fires, the and the magnitude of this game. What was the atmosphere like in the Coliseum on Monday night? Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm still on a high from being at the Coliseum. Like, first of all, yeah, it was a hectic week. The shootings took place, and then in, in Thousand Oaks, which is just down, it was down the block from where the Rams practice facility is, followed by we're, we're going in as reporters covering, you know, how the team was affected by the shooting. Come to find out, I'm staring at a huge smoke. Uh, fear like growing up in the Bronx you see random smoke and you're like oh that's a weird chimney or there's something weird happening you don't you know put fires together so I'm like what's that big cloud of smoke and they're like oh that's a fire and I'm like oh okay and then uh that it and then we found two smoke clouds uh right by the practice facility and and that ended up leading to what we've experienced the past week so going from not even getting to finish really healing on the shootings that uh, took place to the fires to, you know, pretty much half the team getting relocated. Uh, Wade Phillips uh, had to be evacuated and, you know, a bunch of players had to be evacuated at like all hours of the morning. But then just trying to mentally prepare to get to um, Colorado Springs so that they could train for the game that was expected to be in Mexico City, which then the field was not uh, in good enough shape to play a football game. So then to come back to L.A. after all of this in a week's worth of time and to see that the Coliseum was so packed and you see these uh, the towels, the rally towels, like waving in the air, like, I mean, the energy was electric. It was packed. It was a packed house. And, and for the first time, I really felt like, oh, yeah, this the Rams are an L.A. team because uh, what happens is, throughout the season or what I've experienced is LA is a great place for fans to travel to. So like a Packers game, right? There was a ton of Packers fans because why wouldn't you want to leave Green Bay to go and enjoy some sun for the weekend, make a weekend of it. You get to see your team play a really good team. So, you know, we're not really uh, uh, per se like one, the Coliseum holds 77,000 people. 
It's a great place to go and have your weekend for football. Um, but this, the Chiefs game, yeah, there were some Chiefs fans there. But, wow, like I felt like when, when you know, we had our big plays, like the audience was – just cheering like fans were out of control i a lot of my friends who went to the game were like i couldn't get up to, to use the restroom the entire time like they were just holding in their pee <laughs> they really were like when do i leave hey. and then at halftime you know we had um the chain smokers uh perform so i mean like the entire game you really couldn't even get up to serena it looked anything. like it looked so. like the fans had been training at colorado springs at elevation <laughs> the way the energy yeah. and the way they kept it they, they had to get in shape to be able to cheer yeah. that loud for that long and wave the towels i mean they, they must be going to you know 24-hour fitness um, you know, <laughs> lifting towel weights. I mean, it, it was really electric from, from our perspective. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it was the best football game I've ever been to. And I, I'll tell you, like, the Rams really know how to keep everybody in check because all these games, you know, outside, like, one game uh, against the 49ers, like, they've all been very close games. So for this game to have as many uh, points that they, they put up, um, like, I mean, they broke – the record <laughs> it was just insane. And I'm standing on the sideline preparing for an on-field interview. Um, if the Rams win, I get on-field interview. And um, and I was sort of like, I would love to get Samson Abacom. Like, I know this dude really well. He's such a great guy in addition to, like, well-spoken. Um, and I don't think he gets enough credit um, being a linebacker on the team. And obviously this high-scoring game, he scores two touchdowns, two defensive touchdowns for the team. Um, so I was just like, all right, like trying to think about Samson, but I'm also like, this game is great. Like I looked over at like Matt Longacre and, and uh, Johnny Hecker at one point, and I was like, are you guys like, can you breathe right now? Because I certainly am like having a hard time, like not like trying to smile and get too excited, but you're also like, dude, we're only up by three. Like it was just insane in the back and forth and just trying to keep the ball out of um, out of the Chiefs' hands. Like, I, it was just insane. And every time Goff got the ball, like, we would score defense. I feel like, despite the, the high-scoring game, defense had the biggest plays in the game. That's right. You you know, you talk about defense, and I, and I was going to bring this up, but Coach McVay in his post-game conference, um, he was he tried to elude that it was really good defense, which which is is tough to uh, say when you know they're fifty Score points. 50 plus. Like, tough, sure, that was tough. But is that the new NFL? Is that you know just get the stop when you need to, just put up as many points as you can, and then get the stop when you need to? Is that what they're trying to do? Is that their strategy going forward? Well, I would say there's a lot of like I wouldn't say it's like the new for everybody. I think Sean McVay is one of like the most he's a savant of offense, right? Like he just knows how to do this, right? Better than most in the NFL. Um, that being said, um, there is sort of like, hey, if we put up that many points, like then we win the game, right? But um, that being said, I think what you see with the, the Rams defense um, as sort of like, a, you know, w what we see is that Wade Phillips adjusts in the second half a lot. Like we've made, our defense has made the most stops or significant stops in the third and fourth quarter, like when we need it. So for us, I think it's like we got to get ahead while we can, and then the defense will usually – you'll see an adjustment in the third and fourth quarter. That's when we've made, you know, significant stops. In this game, um, Kansas City put 21 points up in the fourth quarter. However, we had those three huge picks. Marcus Peters, John Johnson, and LaMarcus Joyner had uh, those picks 
So, I mean, it's while the score is not necessarily telling <laughs> as far as uh, the defense making these huge plays, I will say that, you know, another another thing that I've noticed, we talk a lot about Marcus Peters and how, you know, he's getting beat on certain plays. Well, I actually looked this up. Marcus Peters, when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs the past two seasons before coming to the Rams, was playing 93% on the right side. And he was doing that when uh, we had Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters on the field. Well, we lose Aqib Tlaib in the second, third game of the season, and he's now playing 50-50. And so there's a lot of adjustments that goes into our defense and why you're seeing certain things happen. But I think it's all in relative, like, we have to look at, like, when they're making these stops and, and, and what the defense is doing. And our defense can score for our offense, as you saw Samson come having two defensive touchdowns. And I also think that we have one of the best special teams in the league. So, like, when we see our high pot, like, when you see all these points being scored, it's not necessarily always Jared Goff you know, throwing to Brandon Cooks for a touchdown. It is the defense, you know, getting uh, their own points, and it is special teams, uh, you know, getting a safety or whatever. So while I do, you know, you do say like, wow, you know, this year, you know, we're putting up so many points. I wouldn't say that it's always just, you know, the quarterback throwing to a wideout. Yeah, and you bring up Jared Goff, and that was my next question. Um, there's a guy driving on a little cart uh, next to you, during that game, Booger McFarland, he kept referring to Jared Goff as a, a bust turned into an MVP candidate. I hate hearing that because, you know, you got to give most of these guys at least four years. But um, did Coach McVay know what he had in Jared Goff when he took over? Oh, definitely. I mean, he, I think Jared is one of the smartest guys, if not the smartest guy. I mean, he sets the tone for everyone. And I think, right, like, there's a time, uh, I think, one, Jared's in a perfect place to, to grow even more. Like, I think this year alone, every single game we see him, he it's his calm and uh, cool demeanor. You know, like, he's never shaken by these crazy moments. Like, for him to make that throw uh, to Gerald Everett right at the end of the game, I think there were, like, two or 2.30 on the clock, and he threw that touchdown pass to Gerald Everett. The fact that, like, we started off the season – sort of talking about, oh, you know, we've got our three wide receivers with Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks um, and Robert Woods. You know, what about the tight ends? We're not using the tight ends enough. Like, what's happening here? What about Todd Gurley? Da, 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 right? And then all of a sudden you see in the past two, three games, you know, Tyler Higby getting a touchdown and Gerald Everett getting a touchdown. Gerald Everett getting another touchdown. We're using our tight ends, and I think that goes back to, you know, how great, you know, Jared is in, okay, let's assess the situation. Like, I mean, he's so many weapons on offense, too, and I think that goes to give credit to Sean McVay. He's creating a system where Jared can succeed. And so, you know, for someone to give criticism to Jared coming into his first year, um, you know, as a, as a quarterback, you know, first-round draft pick, what, that's a lot of pressure too you're super young you know like we we see all sorts of busts because it's a mental game too right like we forget that part of it and then you've got to execute but i think jared has always carried himself so well throughout the criticism and now being able to prove himself working with a guy like sean McVay, there's a mutual respect uh, between the two of them jared shows up the first one to come in the first one uh, the last one to leave I, I think him and aaron donald have uh really set the tone for this team and how to carry themselves along with andrew whitworth um i just overall like i mean jared has the respect of the locker room and i i never thought he was a bust to begin with but i mean obviously he's proving all the haters wrong this year with the way that he's playing Hey, Serena, talking about setting the tone, let's switch gears. I want to ask you about this Browns head coaching job. 
I mean, Condoleezza Rice is up. You know, she they've been they've been talking this thing up. You know, can she be commissioner? Can she be the coach? What do you think? Right. Well, so Condoleezza already went out and said like she's not qualified to be a head coach, right? Like she she would be interested in being the commissioner, but like the X's and O's maybe is not for her yet, right? Like that doesn't mean people can't learn things. I think it's one. I think it's the most Brown story we've ever heard because Browns. <laughs> are the Browns and this makes me excited because I always want more Browns news always like I want that forever <laughs> because it makes things exciting and I get to laugh and it's great it's a great football story that being said um, I think it also opens up a, a great conversation about opening more positions for women and as a woman obviously now you guys are all looking at me like oh here she goes she's gonna hype up all this women hype it up hype it up let's go <laughs> but I will say I am qualified to speak on this matter, um, but I think that we don't really have enough women working in sports, and I think part of that, and I, when I go to speak to students, a lot of times at, at schools, um, you know, my own wonderful Syracuse University, which you guys didn't hey. mention when I came on the show. That's right. I, you heard it, uh, Georgetown. Um, but, but, uh, but that being said, like, I think a lot of women who go into sports are very intimidated because maybe it's the way that we raise our daughters early on where it's like, oh, you're going to go play with, you know, the dolls and the this and the that. And so they don't get into sports until they choose to, right? And, and I think that's part of the problem. At, at that point, you're too intimidated because you don't have the background information of like growing up and seeing you know like i grew up a yankee fan so like i used to watch like shane spencer who like everyone's like what who's shane spencer and i'm like he like broke don mattingly's like you know consecutive home run record i was at that game before going to try out for basketball practice uh so like there's things like that like i was more comfortable in the baseball realm and and i think for for women coming up and not having those opportunities to just sit and watch coaches like I think it's a beautiful story in the NBA with seeing Becky Hammond or like even Sue Bird with the Nuggets now. That's sort of a trend that I think we need to see in the NFL. Yeah. Nancy Lieberman, big three champions. Football, mm -hmm. but it does make a difference to have those opportunities open up for women. Yep, we, we talked about those people earlier, and uh, we appreciate your time. I have to say, if Georgetown people and Syracuse <laughs> people can get along and talk on the phone, uh, like Rocky says, uh, after he beat Drago, uh, as we have playing underneath here, the Rocky quote, we can all get along. Serena, we hope you join us again for the playoffs. Uh, thank you for your time. You can follow her on Twitter at Serena or on uh, Instagram at Morales Morales. That was Serena Morales, Los, Ram Los Angeles Rams team reporter on the Finley Toyota Hotline. Thanks, Serena. All right, that'll do it for episode number two of the Dog Pound with JYD and the Mick. We hope you had a good time like we did. Enjoy your Saturday full of college football rivalries, a healthy dose of hoops in the coming weeks. We're going to have one of the greats, Coach Raff, Bill Raftery, next week, Dave Revson, Jeff Goodman, uh, plus a chat with a guy from a new Nike campaign. He's a top 1% athlete, a very great story. We're very excited to have him. JYD, tell him about Champions Basketball Network and how to download and watch us behind the scenes. Hey, absolutely. Make sure you go to www.cbn.vegas backslash dog pound with two G's, D-O-double-G pound show. And that's where you can get all the information on this dog pound show on Fox Sports. All right, be sure to visit. Be sure to visit us on Twitter at Junkyard Dog Day W at T McNugget and at Dog Pound Show. Listen to us every week right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas or stream us live around the world on LV Sports Network. 
Junkyarddogs.com. In a few weeks, you'll be able to subscribe on iTunes. For the Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams, I'm the Mick. We'll catch you next week on the Dog Pound. See you in December. This is your boy, Double B, and you're rocking with the Dog Pound Show. Make sure to get your show notes at cbn.vegas forward slash dog pound show. And that's dog with two G's. That's where you can get other shows and discount on services like the real-time coaching app. This is where you can get personal coaching from players like Corey Maggette, Bonzi Wells, and our own Jerome, the JYD Williams, and many other pros. Make sure to take advantage now and book your spot now because each coaching spot is limited. That's www.cbn.vegas forward slash D-O-W. Double G Pound Show. Let's go.